refusing to be silenced. It's the only unfiltered media podcast in America. This is Trash Talk. And now, here he is, your boy, Blind Mike. The stash is gone to prove how serious I am this evening. Uh, Also, drinking for the first time on the podcast. Um, Drinking some Twisted Teas. This program is brought to you by Twisted Tea. Uh, You may be saying that's a bit of an odd choice for January. And my answer to that would be, uh, I grabbed them by accident. Uh, I thought they were Sam Adams. They were on the same shelf, which seems a little odd. And, uh, yeah, make your jokes. Oh, that's hilarious. Mike grabbed the wrong beer. They're similar colors, all right? Ah, that's hilarious. Go ahead. Make your jokes. That's very funny. Eventually, I'll be uh, totally blind and uh, probably want to kill myself. <laughs> that's good stuff. Um, imagine <laughs> if I tweeted out emergency trash talk and you tuned in and it was just me talking <laughs> about the mistake I made <laughs> picking up Twisted Teas for an hour. I was, you know, they put it on the same shelf as Sam Adams. You shouldn't have two beers the same color right next to each other. It doesn't make any goddamn sense. If I just did that for an hour, I'd be good. I'd be just a man slowly descending into madness, which is really all this podcast is anyways. Uh, so I teased on the last episode that I would have my friend Emma on to discuss matters such as Louis C.K. Uh, she uh, is not able to make it. She uh, lives out in Vegas, so she's out... Uh, Selling her body, I assume, or whatever women do in Vegas. I don't know. I'm not one to judge. Uh, you know, whatever. Uh, but, hey, uh, she'll be on eventually. She she gave me a valid excuse, which I took as... Uh, this this surely shows you how like bad a person I am, is that she gave me like a pretty pretty valid excuse. And my immediate thought was, well, that's something I would lie about. I would definitely make something like that up. And then I thought, but no one else would. What a What a terrible monster I am. But that's how badly I don't want to do things. So I assume other people are like that as well. Um, but I'm, I'm glad in a way that Emma's not joining us because she'll come on another time and we'll do the same uh, horse shit we would have done tonight. But today, uh, I, I've been in a weird mood the last couple days. And stuff like that comes and goes with me. Um, I, get, I get spurts of anxiousness or anger or depression and all, all these... Uh, emotions. As I say that, I forgot. I, I should get into this. You cocksuckers that say I have a fake voice, that I talk with a fake voice. Let me tell you something. I was cursed with this voice since the day I was born. In seventh grade, uh, people told me I talked like a game show host, which I don't even know what that means. <laughs> but I guess I have that, that talk. Uh, so, and, and this is how I have to talk to girls. Think about that. <laughs> Luckily, I have a girlfriend now. But think about me at the uh, bar. Hey there, lady. How, how are we? Can I buy you a beverage? Like That's just how I talk all the time, and I can't help. Jimmy, uh, my, my producer here, young Jimmy, is uh, also my roommate, so he hears me talk often. Do I sound any different to you on this podcast than I do to other people? No, but I understand why people think you, you're putting on a <laughs> What is that? <laughs> well, you, you just you project very well, yeah. and it sounds like you're right. always like, Presenting I'm or always, in yes. character. Of I'm some always sort, putting but, on a show. Yeah, but you always can confirm, folks. He always sounds yeah. like this. Well, now what? What that really is? It's not to impress you people on the podcast. It's not a fake voice for the podcast. It's because I'm uh, so disgusted with who I am as a person 
that I cover it up by kind of an act just in my entire life. So I don't know what my real voice would sound like, but this is just how I talk all the time. So, uh, as I was saying, I digress a lot on this podcast. I don't think anyone digresses more than me. That's what you get on Trash Talk. The best digressor in the business. I never get to the point I'm trying to make. So, Emma's not on, but I'm, I'm glad in a way because uh, I, I've been in a weird mood, as I said. And uh, I never know what it is. And I, I, I blame myself a lot for that. Uh, too much. Even though a lot of times it is, it is my fault. But uh, I realize that I'm in a weird mood for multiple reasons. And I think one of the things is I see the place where I was passed over, where I was, where I was not given an opportunity. And I, I see them completely squandering the chance that is promotion down at Super Bowl week, Radio Row uh, down at Atlanta. Like when you watch Kirk Minahan, you see the way it's supposed to be done. You see a guy making news, getting into altercations, doing some funny shit, going out and promoting. And that's the way things are supposed to be done. And I, and I see this moron, this goddamn moron, Zambrano, this Tinder-swiping creep. And it just, it, it bothers me. And I think in the first episode when I talked about it, I, I, I acted like it didn't bother me at all. And uh, it does, because radio is a strange business. Uh, it's full of guys that are talented enough to be on the air in radio, and guys that weren't talented enough to be on the radio, so they run radio. That's a bizarre thing. I would say radio, if you look at sales, uh Producers, but, you know, a lot of that is guys working their way up rather than working their way down. But you look at sales, you look at marketing, you look at uh, program directors, things like that. It's a lot of guys that wanted to be on the air and failed miserably uh, because they don't really have a personality. They're not funny. uh, They're off-putting creeps a lot of the time. So... What they then do is fall into these jobs that allow you to make very important decisions about radio. Even though the entertainment side of the business has chewed you up and spit you out. So say you're a producer for a historically bad midday show, not even drive time, but you fall into, say, uh, an assistant program director job because... You've got the longest tenure at the station because the place where you work pays their producers awful money that they can't survive on, can barely feed themselves, never mind a family. Uh, You fall into that job because you've been around longer than anyone. And then when the program director leaves, uh, because everyone is lazy and doesn't want to look too much into it, you just get that job. So that's now a, a, a failed producer is now a guy running the station and choosing to be on air. So that's the kind of thing that bothers me when I see them get into an altercation with Minahan or they're rude to him or, uh, you know, that creep Zambrano is taking pictures of him. 
what bothers me is not that so much that I was passed over. It's that I don't understand who these guys are to make decisions on anything. I don't know who they are to make decisions on what shirt to put on in the morning. I don't think they should be allowed to make those type of decisions. Never mind decisions that, you know, could tear down a historic radio station. And I just thought to myself the other night, like, would I ever want to do that? Because, you know, say what you want about how I am on the air, I think I'm a pretty good judge of what works on the air. So I've often thought, would I be any good as a program director? And then I, the only examples I have, I look at and I say, would I want to live a life where 24 hours a day I'm being spit-roasted like the pig that I am by a fist up my ass working me like I'm Kermit the Frog and I have the same emotional depth and dead eyes and in the other end I'm just licking the nuts of whoever is above me. I just look up and I, I say, ooh, I hope a pair of nuts comes across quickly so I can advance my career. Even though those people who are getting their nuts fondled by you think of you as a puppet. You're a lifeless, dead-eyed creep, and you'll never ascend above that position. So is that worth it? And I don't think that it is. And it's bothered me for a long time because I was told a lot when I was doing my old podcast, um, and I was told in a, in a meeting, that I, a famous, an infamous meeting I had, I was told, well... And the name Kirk Minahan is brought up to me too often. Because while I, I respect the shit out of Kirk, um, and I guess I idolize him in a way, I'd like to have a similar career uh, that he has had. But I first found out about Kirk Minahan when I was 18 years old, I think. nineteen. Whenever he started at EEI, I heard him on the weekends. And I didn't start to you know, admire him or, or look up to him, however you want to put it, until I was probably... 23, 24, whenever he was on Dennis and Callahan. So to think that that's like my, my idol that I grew up looking up to is crazy. So that name is brought up to me as if it's uh, this guy that I've always beloved. So, so that's going to persuade me to be a different guy. Um, and in that meeting that I had, the name Minahan was brought up to me and they said, you know, Kirk, uh, when he started, he wasn't this guy. He wasn't the guy that he is now. And uh, so you have to do that. You're going to have to talk straight sports with Mike Manansky on Saturdays and talk about uh, Boston's Mount Rushmore and things like that. And I've always thought, oh, okay, well, these guys are telling me that, so I have to do it. And I kind of come to the realization that I don't have to do that. I don't think that I have to follow the same pattern that these idiots would tell you to follow. Why? Because they're idiots. It finally hit me. I was like, oh, they're morons, but I have to do what they say. And I realized, no, not in the world we live in now. Because uh, now a guy like Kirk Minahan is able to make hiring decisions. And a guy like Dave Portnoy is out there making hiring decisions. And more and more, 
the more these independent podcasts and podcast networks come up, you will start to have talent running their own operations. And I think that's very important because it wipes out these guys that uh, sent penis cakes to competing radio stations or whatever Zambrano did. It wipes out guys like that. Uh, Because they'll never be in a position to run a podcast network. It wouldn't make any sense. Imagine that. And that's the kind of the thought I had is, imagine Zambrano leaves his job today and says, I'm starting a podcast network and uh, I'm going to find the guys to do it with me. Okay, well, look at his resume. Zambrano, by the way, this is a fake person I'm talking about, so you, no, one, no one can go after me. <laughs> Get it, guys? Um, Zam- I'm talking about Carlos Zambrano, of course. Joel Zambrano is a, na- a fake name that I'm talking about. And, um, but hypothetically, if this guy existed. Uh, look at his resume. You look at uh, the Kirk and Callahan show. Kirk was hired by WEI. 10 years ago, and was, by the way, told by the program director at that time, eh, I don't see it with you. Brilliant. Another brilliant programming move. Um, So it was Kirk Minahan who was there 10 years ago, 9 years ago, whatever, and Jerry Callahan who's been there since the dawn of time. Uh, The midday show, Dale Arnold's been there for a 1,000 years. Glenn Ordway has been there for a 1,000 years. Uh, Merloni and Fourier were hired by uh, the previous regime. Mike Manansky was hired about the same time as Kirk, I believe. Alex Reamer was essentially hired by the morning show. If it wasn't for Kirk Callahan, Alex Reamer probably wouldn't be at WEI. So the only thing, when I thought about this, the only thing that Zambrano has to hang his hat on is Rich Keefe. A guy that went into um, an afternoon show that was being doubled in the ratings and made it worse (laughs) to the point where they had to take it out of the afternoon slot and move it to middays. So objectively, a failure. Now, I don't hate Rich Keefe as much as some people do. I think he's okay. Um, If you like that kind of stuff, that's perfectly fine with me. But objectively, he failed, and that was the one hire this guy made. So, go ahead, and you choose talent. You pretend you have an eye for talent because you backed your way into a job. You failed upwards into a job where you can feel important. And I will go, hopefully, with the likes of Kirk Minahan or the likes of Dave Portnoy, or maybe have to do it on my own. And I will show idiots like that that they don't know what the fuck they're doing. And they will fail. And I am ready, if Kirk will have me, to burn that fucking place to the ground. I am ready to make Radio.com a thing. I am ready to be on a pirate ship and tell everyone to go fuck themselves because I don't believe... That radio is run the right way. At least the examples of, that I have seen. 
And it sickens me that a guy like that is on a private jet to the Super Bowl. It's baffling. Imagine the poor women of Atlanta that are being harassed on Tinder. I, I, I just pray that everyone has their wits about them. And uh, I would say, and I would say this to anyone, any of my female friends or whatever, just be mindful. You know, keep your hand over your drink, things like that. Just, I'm just saying that as a general, uh, you know, note of concern. Stay vigilant out there, ladies. Because uh, you never know what creep is around the corner. So, I had to get that off my chest. Because I felt like it was bothering me. That I felt I, I, I felt like I, I left some things unsaid in the first episode. And I don't want to make... The reason I was going to have Emma on is... I, didn't want, I don't want to make this a show where every week I'm talking about Kirk Minahan or I'm talking about WEI or whatever. Uh, my friends at the Minifan show do a, do a terrific job of that. Uh, that's already covered. I'd like to do... That's the funny thing about how I had my podcast taken away is... I do like talking about some of the stuff I was talking about that I was being kind of forced to talk about. Like tonight... I would have talked about, uh, right before I went on, I saw Charles Barkley said the NBA has to do something about uh, free agents colluding to go to make super teams. So, for example, like if Anthony Davis is a free agent, him and Kevin Durant joining up and going somewhere, whatever the case may be. Barkley said we got to do something about that. Players shouldn't be allowed to do that. I would talk about that. I would have no problem talking about that. And I know, despite the fact that it's something Minahan would probably make fun of, I know everything, people in power think that I follow his every move, but I would talk about something like that. I don't give a fuck. Um, But I also wanted to be able to talk about things I'm interested in, like Kirk Minahan. So when stuff comes up, I I do want to talk about that. Um, And I'm kind of done dancing around it because I realized I don't think I need to. I don't think Minahan gives a fuck. Um, I spoke to him about uh, possibly being involved with social media. Um, The vibe I got was that I would do some things maybe similar to what I was doing at Barstool. I I shouldn't say the vibe I got. I suggested that. Um, And he has a couple ideas for me that I haven't heard yet. Um, I have an idea that I'm going to do on Monday that I think uh, similarly to when I cemented my hiring at Barstool by going down to NFL, NFL HQ, I think this is a similar idea, but a lot better and a lot funnier, potentially. Just look at things going on around the city on Monday. That's what I would suggest. It'll be tough to find, because a lot of people don't even know it's fucking happening. That's how bad <laughs> this organization is in marketing. There's another hint for you. Um... That no one really knows this is even going on. But I'll, I'll disrupt it and I'll do some shit. We'll see. Megaphone has been purchased. <laughs> now I realize that sounds like I'm part of uh, uh, JD and the Boner's morning, wacky morning zoo show. <laughs> but I think it'll be very funny. Hopefully if I, if I can pull it off. But we'll see. Now I will see if, if you want me to criticize Minahan. Here's what I'll say is that... Um, and I... It's not really fair for me to criticize. That's why I don't. That's why I don't necessarily criticize Kirk on a lot of things because I don't know the full extent of what goes into it. But 
going in blind. Isn't that funny, guys? Because I'm legally blind. Isn't that hilarious that I have a visual impairment that has ruined my life? <laughs> Make your jokes, you sick bastards. Uh, but going in blind, I would. I, I don't know um, how Kirk was booked on certain shows. If he was doing it himself, then what he did was impressive. But I, there's got to be someone for Entercom that would do that kind of stuff. Um, I would think just doing Barstool for three days, doing Clay Travis, and I guess one Fox Sports radio, or CBS radio show, I think. I think that was a little bit of a waste in promotion. Now, uh, waste is the wrong term because it did some good. I think I saw he gained like 1,500 followers today just because that uh, Roger Goodell stuff. But... He should have done Mad Mad Dog. Definitely would have had him on. Um, tried to go on Francesa again. I don't know who turned him down. I don't know who wouldn't have him. But actually, no. Francesa's an intercom station. They could have told him, "Hey, you're fucking having Minahan on." Should have done Francesa because that's a huge audience. Or you know, as much as he would make fun of the show, Boomer and Geo. That's a big audience. That's the number one market. Where Minahan can be heard in New York now. It's a national show. Stuff like that I think he should have done. And like I said, I don't know what shows wouldn't have him on or, or what relationships didn't work out. Um, but I, I, I would have tried to do more. And who the f- I, This is the problem I have is I, I just picture Kirk listening to this and saying, who the fuck are you to give me any advice? You know what I mean? I'm an asshole in a dirty, dirty apartment with a Freddie Mercury picture behind me. Drinking twisted teas that he bought mistakenly. Um, So who the fuck am I? I get that. But I will say it it, it definitely uh, did a good job promoting with the Barstool crowd. That Goodell stuff and the Kraft stuff. People will probably be loyal to him for that. Which brings me to my next topic. Um, How humorless is the NFL? I said this on my show on Tuesday. Kirk Minahan happens to see Roger Goodell in his hotel. I guess they're staying at the same place. And Minahan happens to see him unattended to. No no, uh, handlers around, no, no security, no nothing. So Minahan goes up to him and says, hey, Roger uh, Kirk Minahan, how are you? And then says, uh, I wanted to ask you something I didn't get to ask at the press conference. What do you think about Barstool Sports? Uh, Don't you think that, you know, if you gave them the time of day, this would all stop? Blah, blah, blah. And uh, Roger Goodell viciously poked my friend Kirk in the ribs, which, by the way, I'd like a full-scale investigation on that. The NFL has a history of violence. I didn't realize it came from the top down. I realized the players have been engaged in some domestic violence issues. I did not realize the commissioner of the NFL was going around manhandling journalists that don't agree with him. That ask him the tough questions. That is shameful. Uh, so pray for Kirk. I hope Kirk is well. And uh, I hope his health is in order. But... How humorless do you have to be to not realize that 
if you just did a fucking pizza review or whatever, that this would all go away. They wouldn't be breaking into Radio Row or any of that shit. And, sorry, am I crinkling that uh, headphone? I'm an idiot. Um, but I will say in the, uh, in the, the first hour of Barstool Radio today that a lot of people criticized, I think Kirk likened it to, uh, the Larry King show when, uh, it was all guests the first hour of the show. I thought there was some, I thought Greg Olson was okay. And I thought Herschel Walker was okay. Uh, but Greg Olson made an interesting point that. He thinks Roger Goodell is a lot smarter than uh, we in New England give him credit for because it might make – it might be good for the NFL to be rivals with Barstool or to be at odds with Barstool because if they're not – I think this is what Greg Olson meant. If Roger Goodell is buddy-buddy with Dave Portnoy, all of a sudden it's, well, Dave Portnoy makes sexist jokes. You remember that? You remember the uh, skinny jeans comment, Roger? You remember the howitzer picture with uh, Tom Brady's kid? This is the kind of stuff you condone, Mr. Goodell? So maybe there's something to that where the NFL doesn't want to be in bed with a a smut blog, so to speak. Which is even more disgusting in a way. Because you look at it, and it's this is also evident in in the uh the fact that they turned down weed advertisements it's an example of how just hypocritical they are they turned down weed how many people die in drunk driving accidents every year while they're slugging down bud light or any other fucking alcohol sponsor you have so if you were really concerned about that stuff uh would you be partners with alcohol, with booze companies? Probably not, unless they paid you billions of dollars over the course of years. But my problem with them not wanting to be involved with Barstool is you don't have to be friends with them. You don't have to be partners with Barstool Sports. You don't have to show the games on the Barstool Sports app. But to be courteous to them, would give you an entire audience of people and ingratiate with you with that. Is ingratiate a word? I think so. It would ingratiate with you or something with them uh, to an incredibly loyal young fan base. So it's idiotic of them, in my opinion, to not do that. I think that's crazy. Because like I said, you don't have to be best friends with Dave Portnoy. But if he if he wore a Roger Goodell clown shirt one day, made fun of himself, it all goes away. No more Barstool versus the NFL. Now they're all buddies. And speaking of assholes, the Boston Globe is at it again. Uh, so they wrote a story. I don't know what the Globe's fascina- fascination with this is, but you saw it with Kevin Cullen uh, and his uh, plagiarism that they you have these I don't even know if it's plagiarism or just out and out lies I guess but you have these stories where it's uh it's you know Joe down at <laughs> at the corner store no last name no name of the store it's it's this bizarre thing 
where it's this vague, this guy. My, you know, it would be like if I went downstairs to my neighbor Patrick and said, hey, Patrick, what do you think of the Patriots this year? And he was like, ah, no one's watching them. <laughs> and I just reported that. I'm like, hey, Boston Globe, I got a scoop for you. Uh, if you missed it, the Boston Globe reported that uh, there's no buzz around this Patriots team uh, because they're Trump supporters. <laughs> Same shit we've heard from, like, Charlotte Wilder and others. <laughs> it's just like, I don't know, look at TV ratings when it's the Patriots versus, like, the Bruins. <laughs> or even the Red Sox. And it's, or or listen to sports talk radio for eight minutes and see if they can go without bringing up the Patriots. Or go to that fucking rally that I had to go to on Sunday where there's 35,000 assholes. Not assholes. Some of them might be fans of this program, and those those are the ones that are cream of the crop. But a lot of them were assholes. But 35,000 people to say, Goodbye, Tom! Have fun at the Super Bowl! Goodbye, Tom! 35,000 people went to just do that. Like, like they were waving at a ship taking off in 1912. Goodbye, Patriots. I hope you have fun down there. Win number six for us. 35,000 people. So I don't understand where it comes from that there's no buzz around this team because they're Trump supporters. I'll tell you where it comes from. Uh, John Henry. A lot of people said John Henry wanted to push his liberal narrative. What I believe it is is that John Henry wanted to push the narrative that the Red Sox are number one again. The Red Sox are the Mike Francesa of Boston, number one. John Henry has essentially created North Korea. He owns the TV station that the Red Sox are on. He owns the biggest newspaper that covers the Red Sox. And I believe he will soon own the radio station that covers the Red Sox. I truly believe that. That's been kind of rumored for years. I think that's coming sooner than you would think. But regardless, he owns outlets that are supposed to be objective about the Red Sox, ideally. And he puts out just this propaganda that we're all supposed to believe. Hey, the Red Sox are still the best. Everyone loves the Red Sox. People say, who cares about the Patriots? No one's talking about them. We're all talking socks. We're all talking about truck day on Monday. Oops, did I... Is that Monday? Hmm. Oh, I wonder if anyone's going to do anything down there. Uh, so John Henry has created this propaganda machine, and it's disgusting. And that, that's the, the, he's done kind of a brilliant job in fooling into people into thinking it's politics. I really don't believe it is. I think it's that he wants to show that the Red Sox are dominant in this town. Like it's 2003. But... <laughs> I got to say, I don't think it's the case. (laughs) I think if you were on TV or radio or the internet or uh, the newspaper and you write or say the words Tom Brady, you will get eyeballs and ears on that product, no matter what. You cannot do that if you say Mookie Betts or even Kyrie Irving or, or Patrice Bergeron. You're not getting the same 
viewership or listenership. So the globe again, and of course they do have a liberal agenda. I'm not denying that by any means. That's clear. When they say when you know when they bring the Trump thing into it, that's obviously what it's about. But I'll give John Henry credit for this: is he didn't say he said, "Hey, we'll let the players decide if they go to the White House." So he was good about that, and that even more leads me to believe that my theory is correct, that it's straight Red Sox propaganda. Um, now I think that's about enough for this show, because I, I, I figured, no, Emma, I'll do a short one. Um, give you folks the goods. I hope, this, I hope this was a good one. Next week, I'm thinking we talk about, uh, unless, you know, unless something comes up, unless there's a big... Big breaking news, which there might be, because Kirk is supposed to hire a producer this week, and thus, I'm told, other dominoes will fall. How funny would it be? <laughs> How funny would it be if I, if they were like, hey, Mike, we were going to hire you, but we really did not want you to talk about this on your podcast? And if this was like, the only episode I really talk about it is the one where I'm like, ah, fuck it, Kirk wouldn't care if I say exactly what position I wanted. <laughs> That'd be great. That would be a perfect... I, I would have to laugh. Like, you guys would obviously laugh. But even though it was happening to me, I would have to laugh. And then uh, I would find a very tall building and uh, jump off. Because that'd be it for me. So, here's to hoping... <laughs> it, raise your twisted tees. Or whatever you accidentally bought out there. And uh, here's to hoping that will not happen. Um... All right, guys. It's it's been a fucking pleasure as always. At Blind Mike underscore at Trash Talk BSN at Blindside Pods. Blindsidepods.com is where you can always get the podcast. But also, please subscribe on iTunes. Give us a five star review. YouTube at the Mike Geary. Give us a like on there. Everywhere you're consuming this podcast, like it. Tell the people you fucking love it. Tell a friend, subscribe, all that shit. Goodbye.